and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. So good morning everyone and welcome on a slightly gloomy day, but it's not gloomy here inside with us. So I'm very pleased to welcome here Jane Brindley of um, Horse Rider Confidence Scotland. Um, welcome Jane. Thank you. Hello, welcome. I <laughs> nice just thought I would do a quick introduction. So some people said, oh, you know, you've got competitors coming on board with things, people that are doing the same thing as you. Um, that's different. You know, not, normally people won't do that. And I just thought I would talk about very quickly why it is that I've got Jane here with me today. And I think it's very much my ethos is that um, when you're operating out of what we call a, an, a, an idea of lack, like there's not enough of something to go around, then you worry about competition, you worry about what other people are doing, and you kind of, you, you want to be the best, you need to be the, you know, the top and all that kind of thing. But when you're operating out of a place of just like accepting that everyone needs this stuff, there's enough to go around. There's like 6 million horse riders just in the UK. And I certainly couldn't cope with everyone if they wanted to <laughs> come to me I don't know about you Jane really okay fine um, so yes yeah, so you know I just kind of I think it's really great to bounce ideas off of someone who's doing something similar you can always learn something new I know you do something slightly different to what I would do even if it's the same thing there will always be differences and nuances between us mm-hmm. and you know I just think it's great that when we collaborate together people realize that there's lots of options out there and if you look at how many um, loaves of bread are on a shelf in a supermarket you know there's so many different types but it doesn't mean that we don't want bread so so my idea really behind this today is to to share some ideas and um, talk about confidence in itself and to help people realize that there's lots of help available and whoever you choose has got to be the right person for you and we're even going to be talking a little bit as well about who you should be choosing and why that's important so um, so thank you so much Jane tell us just a little bit about yourself just to introduce you and, and what you do and who you are. Okay, thanks. And it's lovely to be with you, Jenny. And I really do agree about um, the collaborating with professional uh, fellow professionals. You know, we're all in this together. There's a huge need. And as you say, um, <laughs> there are only 24 hours in a day and we can't help everybody. And also different therapists or different um, mindset coaches, however you want to describe yourself, have a slightly different approach. And, you know, we're in different parts of the country etc so so it's great to to work with with our fellow colleagues really and when you do work from home um you know you you can be quite isolated so it's nice to feel that you have colleagues that you can bounce ideas off so thank you for including me and today I really do appreciate that so yeah so I'm Jane Brindley and I run um, Horse Riding with Confidence Scotland. And obviously I am based in Scotland in a little town called Dollar in central Scotland near Stirling. And I have been doing this since 2004. So um, quite a long time now, really. And sometimes I, I get a, you know, I kind of get a shock, think, my goodness, you know, that is a lot of experience. And, and I then I kind of, you know, grow a few inches and feel pr- quite proud of myself because of that. So. My background is that, oh gosh, you know, I'm quite old now. <laughs> I'm older than a lot of people doing this stuff, um, but that's fine. I, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm certainly not, nowhere near retiring. Though, I'm, you know, anyway, forget that. Um, when I was at school, I, I suppose I was quite good at passing exams and, you know, fairly academic. So off I went to university and studied um, botany, actually plant science. 
and uh, loved it, was very happy there, came to Scotland to do that, I'm, I, I am English. Um, but then towards the end of that, I kind of thought I probably wanted to work with people rather than be a scientist. So I changed completely and went and did some nursing and midwifery, worked as a nurse and mainly as a midwife for quite a long time and loved that, thrived um, and was probably quite good at it, I have to say. Um, however, at the same time, I was, I was a community midwife and by this stage married and going through infertility treatment or investigations. And I'm sure you can understand that being a midwife and going through that is not the easiest place to be. So I decided to step back from, from that world and I didn't know what I was going to do, where life was going to take me, but I just needed to get out of that world. Um, then um, a couple of years later, I found myself pregnant, but tragically our baby was stillborn. So all the more reason not to go back to midwifery for me. Fortunately, I had a husband who runs his own business and could support us, the two of us financially. So what to do? So I really did retreat to recover from that traumatic experience. Um, and I needed to do that. And then gradually I started to look around for, for what to do. So I had the opportunity to, to do some psychology courses um, so went and did that and absolutely loved it and got on really well with the teacher who kind of said to me, why don't you do counselling? Um, you know, you'd be good at that with all your life experience so far and, and so on. So I started to investigate and look for things to do. And a lot of the counselling courses looked to me to be a little bit wishy-washy. They weren't quite what I was looking for. So then I stumbled upon, well, a friend a friend had done a, a really kind of quite substantial course in hypnosis and psychotherapy, taught at postgrad level. So it was um, it was quite meaty. And I investigated that and applied and got onto that and um, absolutely loved it. And as soon as I started, I thought, yes, this is it. And it took me um, it was part time uh, in three stages. Um, but the whole course um, gave me a diploma in hypnosis and psychotherapy. And it took me about two and a half years to complete uh, covering um, hypnosis and hypnotherapy in, in a lot of detail, but also a lot of psychotherapeutic approaches. We covered all the kind of standards from Freud to Carl Rogers to NLP to Ericksonian hypnotherapy and all sorts. Um, so it was very good. And in fact, I recently read some of my essays and uh, they were quite detailed and quite challenging. So I loved that. And the final stage of that was um, a dissertation. So I chose to do, I am a horse rider, forgot to add that. Um, one of the things when I did my retreat uh, was I bought my first horse. Um, so um, yeah, so I was looking what to do for my dissertation and decided to do the use of uh, hypnosis in sport with a particular reference to horse riding. Uh, so that was fantastic and uh, right up my street. Uh, but while I was doing all this, um, I started applying what I was learning to my own riding. And oh boy, what a difference I noticed, you know, just by changing what I was saying to myself, changing, noticing how that changed how I was feeling, um, changing my attitude and, and so on. Um, 
I just started to enjoy it more, started to stretch myself more, push myself more and be less scared, basically. Um, I was, I'll freely admit, I was that rider who used to be tacking up, um, seeing something in the distance out on the road, like a tractor and think, oh, better not go out there because something might happen to me that I won't be able to cope with. And then I would plod around the field for half an hour and think, oh, that was a bit boring. So that changed really quickly. And I, I honestly, I got to the stage where I would be going out to hack thinking, I hope a tractor comes around because I know I'll handle it. And I was like, yeah, as soon as I got to that stage, I thought I've made it. So anyway, so when I qualified, I stuck an ad in um, a freebie horsey paper that everyone picked up at, at the feed stores. This is 2004 or three, four, remember. Um, and I was inundated with riders going, help. Um, at that stage, 15, 16 years ago, there was still very much a don't make a fuss and get on with it attitude in the horse world. And I was amazed by the need. It wasn't just me, it was a lot of people. Um, so my little business took off. And then over the years um, with changing in um, the BHS, uh, riding coaches training and the UKCC um, training, etc., and a lot more sports psychology and uh, mindset stuff coming into equestrian trainers, I quickly realized that I would have to collaborate with technical riding coaches because um, all my work is done off the horse. I'm not a riding coach. Um, and so I started kind of putting feelers out, approaching coaches and really, really pleased with just about without exception, every coach that I've contacted has been open to um, at least talking, if not fully working with me. So now I do um, quite a lot of clinics and camps and talks and, and so on. And I love that side of it. And I love um, helping, helping riders to basically to enjoy the sport and also doing quite a lot of work now of the years, increasing amounts of work with performance riders as well. And that's a slightly different approach. You know, they're looking for refinement and um, sports psychology, um, which is great, but slightly different to your rider who is frightened to hack out on their own. Um, so the two aspects of, of my work, or many aspects of my work, are, are, all, are all in there. And, and I love all of them. Um, that's amazing. And it's so lovely, isn't it? When, I mean, this is why you must get the same thing. Riders come to me and say, I've come to you because I could have gone to a sports psychologist or a hypnotherapist or something like that. Um, but they don't get horse riding. They they will say things like, well, why do you do it then? Like, if you're yeah. that terrified, why, why are you doing it? Like, you know, you're sitting on a horse. What? You know, of course it's terrifying. Like, why on earth would you do that sort of thing? Or they'll say, just visualise what your horse is going to do. And you think, it's not a tennis racket, right? It's got its own got its own sense and it's lovely when you know you and I the same thing we've been through we I, I remember tacking up shaking thinking oh god what's going to happen on this hack today you know like and seeing the flip side of it and, and understanding having that real empathy that real real empathy for riders because we know we've been there we've done it been through that journey and it, isn't it just so wonderful to help other people with something oh it's great when you know when when somebody you see, have a couple of sessions maybe, and then they kind of knock on the door and walk in the room and they're smiling and say, guess what I've done? Um, it's, it's just, you know, it's a real thrill. And, and ultimately my job is to help people to enjoy their riding. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Most people, I mean, you're like me, you, you work with performance riders as well, who will be having to do it to make money, they, you know, it's a living and things. So it's like you said, it is slightly different and things, it's similar stuff, it's different. But most of the time, um, it's leisure riders, isn't it? And and you, and people, and you know, I, I don't know if you hear this, but all the time it's like husbands and other people are going, why are you doing it? You don't even enjoy it. Like, why don't you, why do you just give it up? And it's like, no, that's not even an option. I know. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Crazy world. But isn't, um, you know, helping people that it's their passion and understanding that passion is um is that that's the real thrill isn't it definitely definitely and I think with horse riding people have so much invested in it and um, they've got a huge financial investment often their entire social life is wrapped up in time at the yard and their friends are um horse owners and riders and um, they love this animal as well. A huge amount of emotional investment in, in the whole package. But then if, if it's not going well, the implications of that are enormous. Like what the heck do you do if you can't ride your horse? Um, and so, yeah, there's a huge amount of emotion in there for people. And I think you're right um, that uh, seeing somebody, seeking out somebody to help you who, who understands uh, equestrianism and, and um, horse ownership is, is really important. Cool. So I've got some questions for you today, Jane. We're going to have a little bit of a kind of collaboration on this one um, that I know people sort of want to know and ask and some things that I get asked and things as well. So it's always interesting to have a different perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so what would you say that this thing we're all looking for, everyone wants confidence, don't they? Everyone wants <laughs> to feel confident. What would you say is confidence? How does someone know when they have that? Yeah, it's uh, it's a question that, that we get asked a lot and it is this elusive thing. Um, I used to think that it was a thing that you either, you know, when I very first started, I thought it was a thing you either had or you didn't have. But um, over the years, I realised that it, it isn't a constant. However, I think I like to describe it as a feeling going along with a belief. So it's a feeling of comfort in your mind and your body that you're in the right place, you can handle the vast majority of things that are um, that you encounter. Um, you're not fighting against the horse by your tension. Um, and along with that goes a thought process that, yeah, I'm okay, I've got this, I can do it. Um, so you could be a confident rider on one horse, but not on another. It isn't a constant. Um, depend, it depends on what situation you find yourself in. Um, but generally, I think that's how I see it is a feeling of comfort, a feeling of physical comfort going along with um, mental um, thoughts that you can handle the situation that you have chosen to put yourself in, that you've got it. You've frozen, Jenny. You have frozen. I don't know if that's me or you. Anyway, I will carry on chatting as Jenny has frozen and she seems to have disappeared. Right. Oh, you're back. Are you back? I can't hear. You're muted. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. It just said your internet connection is unstable and logged me out. So yeah. I don't. I don't know where we lost you. I'm really um, sorry. I was. I was talking about confidence and that um, 
ultimately, I think it's a, a physical feeling of comfort uh, that goes along with the, the thoughts that you have got the skills and experience to cope with the situation you've chosen to put yourself in. Yeah. And that you will handle the vast majority of unexpected occurrences. Cool. Yeah. And I think I heard you say just before I lost you as well, that it's um, it can be OK on one horse or another. It's very, very environmentally affected, isn't it? Even definitely. I mean, when we talk about environment, we think about the weather and things. Now, that definitely is something that can affect it. But it can be how you're feeling that day or what element, what venue you're at or who your instructor is or, you know, any of that stuff as well, can't it? It's really yeah. very fluid. Yes. And also, I think that you can be you can be a confident novice even if your skills are, um, aren't particularly advanced, you still have that feeling and that belief that, that you will learn, that you will progress, that you will um, have fun along the way, and that you're not, I mean, a, a confident rider isn't afraid to make mistakes um, because they accept and understand and believe that that is part of the learning process. Whereas a rider lacking in confidence is often terrified of making mistake of seeing to be doing something wrong or to be um ashamed of their lack of experience so yeah and often it can come about like you say so we can have an un we can have a confident novice mm -hmm. and we can have an unconfident expert <laughs> and so um how is it then that you can be an expert and you can you know you might might not be afraid of your skill level or something like that but perhaps you're afraid of something happening again because something's happened in the past now that's really common in our sport isn't it because mm -hmm. trauma in horse riding um i mentioned the word trauma and people think well i haven't been to a war zone i haven't got ptsd what you want about because people don't realize that actually trauma is something that we can experience by falling off a horse or by the emotional impact of something that's gone on and that's something that we work with quite a lot isn't it the sort of the the sort of accidents or the mm -hmm. near misses or even the accidents of friends had or we've heard about or we've seen as well so tell us a little bit about that side of, of confidence yes, yeah. and, and we have to remember i think that it can be trauma can be cumulative so all the little experiences of of spooks and falls and um being tanked off with and all that can really build up um, to, to really anticipating um, what could happen again. Uh, and that often, and we have to deal with that. And, and I think more and more in our work, and I'm sure you do, you know, kind of explaining to a client what's going on um, meant, uh, in their brains, um, explaining the whole, um, neuropsychology behind it helps them understand um, what's going on and to to really help them understand that it's simply their body working as it was evolutionary designed to work um, and helping them to to understand that the physical sensations they are experiencing are purely their body working and sometimes understanding that, I mean, we're not here to, to discuss the whole um, neurobiology, neuropsychology stuff. It's too early in the morning for all that. Um, yeah, we but, haven't got years. We've got like an hour. <laughs> but uh, so if, when somebody understands that when they get this hormonal surge that causes the physical sensations, that that is actually nothing to be frightened of. It's not a predictor of disaster. It's just simply their body going working based on um, past experience, the pattern matching that goes on 
think, oh, right, horse's ears are pricked. I feel it feels a bit tense. Oh, God, that means disaster is about to happen. No, it doesn't. So step back, you know, you're on a horse. So, so just develop some techniques to, to let go of that tension, of, of, to say to yourself, right, I know what's happening here. You almost have to get that kind of thinking part of your brain to speed up so that it can handle the primitive part of your brain that's going, oh, let's get out of here. Um, and, and once, I think, once a rider understands what's going on, they can handle it better. Um, and I don't know if you get the same as me, I get an awful lot of people that think it's not normal, they're not normal, it's yeah. not, you know, and they say, oh, this is crazy, it's stupid. It's, it's like, no, it's just your brain. It is actually doing its job. It's not massively doing it in the most helpful way at the moment, but it is just doing its job. Yeah. And I do, I say to people, I'm sure you do, you're really normal, actually. I'm, I'm sorry. I hate to burst your bubble here, but you're actually really normal. And they're like, oh, what do you mean I'm normal? Like, clearly I'm not. I'm not doing all these things. Mm -hmm. You are. It is normal. Mm -hmm. So the normal function of the brain is what we're really working with here, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah. so when I very first started this, in my naivety and, and lack of experience, I thought it was going to be my job to help riders never to feel anxious again. And yes, been there. That, I yep. set out on, on that journey and very quickly I realized that sorry that's not going to happen um you're a human being and you're riding a horse yes you're riding another sentient being that's got all the same stuff going on in an even more primitive way yes and doesn't have that logical reasoning side so much mm -hmm. so yeah it's a wonderful oh god wouldn't it be easier to work with tennis players and golf players I, mean, <laughs> I did a talk once to um dollar ladies golf club and I, I kind of have a talk that's sort of five steps to riding confidence. And I just adapted it to five steps to golfing confidence. And these women, they spent the whole kind of two hours I was with them trying to convince me that their golf clubs had minds of their own. And I was going, sorry, no, they don't. And they're going, they do. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was all in good humor. But um, yeah. And we do, we do have to factor in, in the horse, um, of course. And, you know, I, I have Highland ponies and, and I, I worked and, and um, the two I've got at the moment are, are retired. They're not that old, but sadly they're both unsound and, and they're retired. Um, one I bred myself, so I've had her since the minute she was born and the other one I bought as a two-year-old. Um, and, you know, they, they're, they're relatively steady horses, but they still, my goodness, they can still turn on a sixpence and tank off in the opposite direction if, if they want to. Uh, any horse can do that. Uh, you're, you know, any horse, we know that any horse can do that. So we just have to remember that and work with it. And I think one of the things that people want, isn't it, is control. They want to feel in control because you, if you feel you're in control, you're confident. And one of the things I say to people is, well, you're never actually in control of your horse, sorry. And they say, what, hang on, you're a confidence expert. How can you be saying that to me? Like, why would you tell me that? And it's like, well, because you're not, you know, you've got to be in control of your own reactions, your own responses, your own body, your own skills, your own learning, that side of things, so that you can react to their reaction. But they're a horse, unless you want to shut them down, they are, then they're, they're bigger than you. They're always going to win in that respect. Exactly. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit then about, so we talked about how it can be lost. It can be lost through a series of things. It could be lost through one thing. It could be lost through sometimes others to mm -hmm. saying something. It's not even necessarily truth. Um, it can be lost through actually pushing yourself beyond your skill level. Might, might not have those skills. Mm -hmm. 
But so how can it be restored then? So how, how is it that we work to restore confidence and, and help people out in that respect? Yeah. Well, gosh, um, one, of the, one of the first things I um, talk about with clients is to, this is very much kind of CBT type of stuff. It's to help them to um, become aware of what they're telling themselves. Um, because they very, very much believe what they tell themselves. So, for example, if a rider truly believes that they can't jump more than a cross pole at sort of 50 centimetres or smaller even, then they're never going to, they're never going to try to, to do more. Um, now, there's no rule that says they must do that. Um, that the only thing uh, a horse owner must do is look after the welfare of the horse. That is absolutely the only thing that they must do. Everything else is, is by choice. Um, but one, is, one of the models that I like best, and it's so simple to explain to a rider, and it, it, it's, it's so easy, is the comfort stretch and panic model. Um, the rider can choose to stay in their comfort zone um, for as long as they want, but they have to accept if they choose to stay there, they're not gonna make any progress. We don't want to be in the panic zone because that's when the relationship between the horse and rider break down and everything falls apart. And so the good stuff happens in the stretch zone or the learning zone, whatever you might like to call it. So if a rider is, is very timid, very lacking in confidence, then, um, the simplest way that they can kind of imagine um, that they're going to ride and feel like they're immediately making progress is to ride on the ride on the border of what's comfortable and what's stretching them. So that each time they ride, they add in a little bit, that they stretch a bit. And the aim of that then is that their comfort zone expands and what used to bother them or stretch them or, or they worry about moves out. So the, the rider can very, very quickly feel that they're making progress. Um, so that along with uh, physical relaxation techniques, breathing techniques, and the classic one is, you know, riders holding their breath and tensing up. So, you know, something as simple as getting on your horse and doing a body scan, being aware of physical tension and then breathing out into that area, breathing in calmness and breathing out the tension is, is just so simple. Nobody needs to know they're doing it. Um, I remember a time when I was having, because as I said, my horses are retired now, and I kind of thought for a while I'd given up riding, um, but then I missed it too much. So I, um, I now go uh, to a lovely equestrian centre. I haven't ridden since March, oh my goodness, I'm going next week though, um, so can't wait for that. Um, but I was having, a, I don't do a lot of jumping, I, I just do a little bit to kind of improve my technique and my balance and my seat and, and so on. Anyway, um, there was one lesson uh, where we were just doing some, some pole work and a few little jumps and the horse was getting a bit strong and a bit on the forehand and, and I was kind of, and I just went, oh, I don't want to do this. And so Rachel said to me, just, you're supposed to know what you do, what to do here, Jane. So I just took myself off to the other end of the arena for a while, took some what I call ratio breaths, so breathing in calmness and breathing out tension. And then after a few breaths, I kind of forgot to be frightened. So I came back and said, all right, I'll do it now. And of course I did it and it was fine. Um, 
there are loads and loads and loads of techniques. Um, occasionally riders come thinking that you've got a magic wand and you're just going to sort it um, immediately. Um, this doesn't happen, sorry. No, I always um, tell them mine's broken. Yeah. I say, I'm sorry, it broke many years ago. Mm. It broke when I realised that you can't fix someone of ever feeling unconfident or nervous. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I'll remember that one. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I realised that actually I can't fix you so you'll never feel nerves again, my one broke. <laughs> so, yeah, no, and it's great. And it's lovely as well that, you know, we're on a learning journey as well. We ride, we do different things, we push ourselves um, and that we're aware of it because it's a couple of shoes sometimes, isn't it? I don't know if you find this, but sometimes we don't necessarily spend as much time working on it ourselves um and we have to remind ourselves to do it and someone will say well how how come you're worried or scared about something you you're the expert in this it's like well hang on a minute I've got a comfort zone too you know and I'm mm. I'm just a little bit too far off the edge of it right now thank you I've got to, I've got to address that but you know you learn the edge of your comfort zone don't you by pushing it yeah. by feeling it by dipping your toe and learning it and sometimes you're going to go that bit too far and go oh oops a little bit too much but that's okay as long as you can view that as learning yeah as long as you can view that as learning and go oh yeah no bit too much but it's catching it, isn't it? Like you say, like, I love that story about you just taking yourself. I've sat in the middle of a lesson and just cried. And so, and the instructor's like, what are you doing? I was like, I have, I don't know. I have no idea where I'm crying right now. Can you just, I'll just do it, what, mm -hmm. whatever this is about. And I'll be with you in a minute. They're like, all right, okay, yeah. fine. They kind of get used to it, don't they? Yeah, that's kind of when you freeze and you yeah. just kind of think, ah, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm frozen. And, and you just need to step out of that metaphorically or really um, and, uh, sort your head out and, and then then you're fine yeah and there's always a decision point isn't there there is always a decision point do I stay in this mm -hmm. or do I choose to do something different and I think that's the decision point with a lot of people with confidence isn't it when a lot of the time I'm sure you find this very much that when they've picked up the phone to you or they've dropped you that message to say can I have some help please that is a bigger relief than anything else because they've taken that decision to make a change and decided they can as well that's the biggest part isn't it yes yeah, because a lot of people, you know, they kind of, it's quite often hear, will you be able to help me? Um, and I always say to people, if you have contacted me, then yes. Um, no guarantees, obviously, you know, in, in any psychological therapy, there, there aren't any cures, rights or wrongs, or, or you know, there are right, there are, sorry, there are rights and wrongs, but there aren't any guarantees of a cure as such. Um, but if somebody has contacted me, they are already well on the way to being helped. They've admitted that to themselves, that they need help. They've looked around and seen somebody that they feel they might approach who might be able to help them. So yeah, and, and I always try and praise people for, for actually making that first step. Um, yeah, because that can be the hardest with anything, can't it? Admitting that the, I, mean, I don't want to call it a problem. You haven't got a problem. You're just not feeling the best that you can feel mm -hmm. or getting the most out of it that you want to get. But yeah. all the while you're in denial of that or you're trying to you know, push it away or just ignore it, actually, it will get worse, won't it? Because you're trying to put it in a box or you're trying to ignore something and it will have to start shouting louder and louder because it's doing yeah. something for you at that time until you undo it. Mm -hmm. Which brings me beautifully on. So when you were saying finding someone, having a look around, deciding who it is you want to work with, you and I are very passionate about this, I know, yes. about why you need to find the right person to work for. Now, mindsets has become, I don't know if you've noticed it, but in the last maybe three or four years, I think, maybe five at a push, like a real buzzword, hasn't it? Like everything's like hashtag mindset and everything's, oh, it's a mindset. Thing. Well, yes, everything's a mindset thing. Like you're a human. <laughs> um, so there's been a lot of people kind of popping up 
um, who've maybe done a, a weekend course or a short course or just a pure online thing or something. Not that there's a problem with online, but you know that you've got to be a bit careful with this, haven't you? Um, or that have been through it themselves and therefore feel they can teach others. Now that's important, but what is it that in you and I, I know, agree on this, is so important about finding someone who's qualified in the right way to help? And what could be the pitfalls if, you, if you're not careful about who you choose? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is such a tricky one. And, and the whole kind of therapy industry is unregulated. Um, there was talk probably between five and 10 years ago about um, European regulations and UK regulations and so on, but that's just fallen, fallen by the wayside. Um, so I'm speaking to people out there, you know, be careful about who you approach because literally anybody can read a book, set up a website, a Facebook page and call themselves a mindset therapist. Anybody can do that. Now, there are a lot of really good experienced um, coaches, people with life experience who have a huge amount to offer. And, you know, many of them will be able to help you. But I think, oh, excuse me, I've got a really itchy nose. Um, I think if, if you're going to trust somebody with your, your sport, your enjoyment of your sport, you're trusting somebody with your own emotions, it's really important to, to just check out what qualifications they have got and what experience they, they have got. Um, any reputable therapist will, will probably have something on their website to say what organizations they're registered with. And if, to be honest, over the, the years I've been doing this, I can think on one hand of the number of people who've said to me, can I see your certificates or what are you, what, reg what qualifications do you have? But if it, if it was me consulting somebody, I would want to know who they trained with, what, um, what qualifications they have got, what experience they have got. Are they insured? Do they have a code of ethics um, that they adhere to? Do they have a requirement for CPD, for continuous professional developments? In other words, are they continuing to learn? Um, do they even have supervision perhaps as something that is really quite useful um, in, in the therapy world? And I just think these things are really important um, rather than going to just look at somebody on the internet who's got a, a, you know, a, a kind of a posh looking page and think, oh yeah, they must, they must know what they're doing. So just, just be careful. You're, you, when I, when I work with riders, and I'm, I'm sure you're the same, you know, knowing, knowing your background, um, I'm looking at the whole package, a person with a history and a life, and you're not just a rider with a, a confidence issue. Um, and often people, and I'm sure you hear this regularly, people say, can I just tell you this? I've never actually told anybody about such and such a thing that happened to me. And that is, it's a really privileged position to be in that somebody trusts you enough to, to divulge that. But also as a, as a therapist, you need to know how to handle that, what to do with that information, because that could be the root of the problem. It could be anything that's happened to this person previously that is affecting their ability to ride their horse and their enjoyment of riding the horse. So you, you need to have the tools as, as a therapist 
to to be able to deal with that. And so the best people in the world, the person who's read a book or been on a couple of weekend courses or, or done an online thing won't have that experience. And that's that's so key, isn't it? I often say that the reason that people come to us is because they deeply care about their horse riding, so they want to make mm. a change. But it's very rarely, well, no, very rarely is a bit strong. It's very often not actually about the horse riding. There's something else secondary going on that they didn't have any idea was really getting in the way. Because if we want to build a great pyramid, we need to have a strong foundation, don't we? Now, if, if the horse riding bit we make strong, but there's something else going in their life that's really wobbling and, you know, they're finding difficult that, that that's coming in there you, you haven't got that strong foundation and and so often than not we end up working with something that's nothing to do with riding whatsoever is it and so yeah. there's definitely like you say there's that fine line isn't there between a, a riding coach or someone that understands a bit of psychology to help the rider mm -hmm. in their lessons or to progress or can understand comfort stretch panic that's a real key one that coaches can do and then but that you need to know, I mean, even I know the realms of like my what I am capable and expertise and I will refer on if I think, oh, heck, that's that's nothing. That's not in my realm. So you need to know when to refer on. And I think that's the other pit that you learn in your training, isn't it? When you when you learn in any kind of training that's that's really good, accredited, deep, takes you a long time to do what have you um, and includes some kind of assessment, evaluation, something like that, is that often they will also be looking into when you reach the limit of what you know you are qualified and experienced enough to deal with and when actually you'd go I'd refer on at this point this is not yes. within my realm that's yes. really important as well isn't it definitely definitely I totally totally agree with that um, and we're dealing with people you know we are really dealing with the whole the whole package and um, all these changes that we can make help people um, with their horse riding have benefits in their whole lives um, and I haven't really touched on on hypnosis I, I do um, I do love hypnosis and it 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 really helps people sort of access their unconscious mind and it, it does kind of the, the things we talk about um, face to face or, or online um, can really be deepened uh, with hypnosis it's a very powerful tool and obviously that is um it's not suitable for everybody um and a lot of what i do is actually not kind of deep hypnotic trance work but i do we haven't touched on this yet um and i'm, but I'm sure you do it is is the power of mental rehearsal and visualization and um and guided imagery um is a, a really powerful tool to 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 teach riders that, that they can use to help themselves um going forwards um, especially um, competitive riders really really need to be able to use that mental rehearsal um, as part of their mental preparation for competition um, and and as as you know and probably many people watching this will know um, visualization mental rehearsal is is becoming more and more and more used in in all sports um, throughout throughout the sports world um, yes i mean they've even said now haven't they that athletes so you can get a runner um, say a sprint or something to rehearse so deeply in their mental rehearsal they will actually sweat their heart rate comes up and they will yeah. sweat and that's how closely linked the body mind is so imagine being able to practice everything without actually being on your horse there's less less um you know strain on your horse is muscles less strain on your muscles you know greater clarity when you come to do it as far as your brain's concerned you've already done it so yeah, yeah it's, it's a really powerful tool isn't it but I, again it can be done well it can be done really like badly or just not not very um 
you just not get great results it's not so much that it could be done badly I don't think you can do any like real harm with mental rehearsal as such but certainly won't be as you know as good as it could be could it you know yeah and it's just knowing, you know, a lot of these techniques, we talk about these little techniques, don't we? Because in these kind of situations, we can give something that's kind of quite broad. They can go and try. It's not going to do any harm. They, they can have a go at it. But most of the time, what we're doing with the knowledge that we've got underneath it is there's so much stuff going on underneath. We're having to balance a million plates at the same time mm -hmm. whilst we're doing what is a seemingly simple thing with someone. And yeah. that's where you need someone that understands that there is no point in them reading a technique out of book. I know when I first started, a friend of mine was an NLP practitioner and this was I'd, I'd done half my practitioner at this point in time. And she said, oh, I'm going to do some anchoring with you because um, I had a fear of something. She said, oh, I'm going to do some anchoring with you. I'm going to do it. So she did this thing. She didn't even ask me about it. There was no question about anything at all. Did this thing. I went, there you go. Now you're sorted. And I just thought you've literally she literally sat there with it in the book reading it. And I mean, that's fair enough. She was practicing. That was fine. But I at that point in time, I just thought this is where it doesn't really work, does it? If you just kind of like read it out of a book or learned it online or watched yeah. a video on it. Because yes, you will learn the steps of the technique, won't you? But you're not going to understand everything else that's going on underneath. And how you can, you know this with hypnosis, you can so you can say the wrong word, phrase or something or add the wrong intonation to it or do something that sends them off in a completely different direction to what you were heading. Definitely, with. definitely. Yeah, and that is then becomes an anchor, you know, that that wrong word anchors them to feeling uncomfortable um and uh and you've just destroyed <laughs> the hour session that you've had with them um so yeah understanding the whole package is is so important and having having a toolbox that um is well two two types of toolboxes i have my own toolbox that i can pick and choose from for different clients in different situations with different stories and different horses but also you're giving the rider and you will be giving the rider their own toolbox. And ultimately my aim is to help the rider to help themselves. I don't want them to be dependent on me. My husband always says, he says, don't cure them too quickly. <laughs> or the it's a bad, bad business model if you can't yeah, keep them going longer. Don't cure them too quickly, yeah. <laughs> keep them it's coming. The but American I, therapy model, isn't it? You know, you're, I mean, being in therapy for three years and I think, what? I could just, <laughs> what have you been paying them for? I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So helping them to help themselves, giving, helping them to build up their own toolbox. That I think, yeah, right. I'm going for a lesson. What do I need to do to mentally prepare for this lesson? Right. I can do this, this and this, and that will get my head in the right place to get the most out of the learning opportunity with my technical riding coach or going to a competition. What am I going to do a week before the night before, etc., etc. What am I going to do in the, in the warm up? arena what am I going to do in the start box to get my head where I want to be to get out there and and compete um yeah so my next big million dollar question to you then um and I don't know if you have the odds <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's one we're always pondering isn't it so why isn't everyone getting help with this you know because if it's such a fragile thing well no fragile is probably the wrong word if it's a changeable thing confidence it comes and goes and it's in waves and it's a state in time really isn't it confidence mm -hmm. And we're all riding these big sentient beings. Some of them aren't so big, but, you know, sentient beings that have got minds of their own. And we all want to enjoy it and achieve things. And everyone at some point will have a blip in confidence when they're learning to ride. Like, it, I don't know anyone, and, and even the top level riders that we work with will either be having a blip in confidence at that point or have at some point. Like, it's just part of the journey, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Or people want to perform better or do better. Why is not everyone then 
got some kind of coach on board in their team you know working with someone overcoming their stuff what what is it that you think stops people it's getting better but stops people from doing it perhaps yeah um i don't have the answer um i think there's still in in the whole horse world there's still this pressure to to appear to be coping and to be getting on with it and there's a lot of um shame involved in and shame is a really powerful emotion um and it's an internal emotion it, it, it's kind of the fear of being exposed and to be seen to be not able to do what you you want to do or to be seen to be making a mistake or to be seen to be doing something wrong you know this huge huge um sense of shame that people have when they're they're not handling it um, so people then kind of either retreat into themselves and start avoiding situations. Um, your classic, you'll have heard it all the time. Oh, right, I went up to the yard, but it was a bit windy and oh, he, he looked like he was in a bad mood. I better not ride. Um, Perfect excuses. Yeah, he hasn't been turned out for a couple of days, mm, but not ride today. And that then builds up and then the shame compounds um, and the, the rider gets more and more avoidant um, until, you know, they might be thinking about giving up or they might just get into this situation where they just don't know what to do. And then, you know, maybe they start asking people and someone says, oh, your horse is a bit spooky. Give it this supplement. It'll be fine. Um, or come out with me. I'll look after you, but then that person wants to have a gallop and, and the ride, the lacking confidence rider isn't ready for that yet. Um, these people are stuck. And I think there are a lot of people stuck um, and their comfort zone then shrinks to the extent they, they might even not be riding their horse or they might just be riding an arena. And eventually, hopefully something will change, something will click either a conversation with um with somebody or a facebook search or a google search something will click and they think right maybe now's the time to to seek help um and like we said earlier you know that is their first step towards making the changes but why everybody's not getting it well not everybody needs it you know some people just are lucky and they just go out there and have fun and don't really think about it too much and that's your classic kind of teenager um just get on gallop everywhere have a laugh fall off get back on horse rears have another laugh it's fine um but then once they become adults with responsibilities um and um you know, they have a job or they have a family or they have a, um, they have to earn their living, the responsibilities grow and the, the what ifs increase. And a lot of my clients are kind of women in their maybe 40s who have a huge amount of commitments to family and work and life and their horse is supposed to be their downtime, but the pressures are enormous and things can sometimes fall apart. Um, 
and these people you can you can turn help these people turn things around quite quickly to to enjoying it again um but yeah i i think everybody should have a mindset coach or a confidence coach um but you know that's because i do what i do well of course yes we do obviously and and presumably you've got your own coaches and people that you turn to as well yes yes i am certainly uh, riding coaches um yeah i don't have a mindset coach i i um maybe i should yeah i um i do have a supervisor though um for for my registration um i am obliged to have supervision and uh i talk to her a lot about life stuff um if there's anything kind of getting in the way of, of my mindset um she's not a horse rider though um but uh, she's she's good she's yeah good. i think having your own coach you know people are always surprised when i say oh, i've got my own coach they say well why because you should be able to do it yourself and it's like well because a lot of it is unconscious patterning we don't notice mm. we're doing it so i need someone to look at me impartially and go you do realize you just said that or really do you really think that or well, what is it that's stopping you then it's like oh yeah <laughs> thanks very much yeah so yeah you do don't you yes the area where i fall down a bit is um is the kind of the business side of it um you know i come from from it's a long time ago now but the nhs where um uh the product is free at the point of delivery so when i first started doing this i was really uncomfortable in charging for my services um, and had to get my head around that um, and at the beginning i kind of saw it as sort of a hobby that made a bit of money for me but gradually over the years i have become more business-like uh, in my approach um, and i've seen benefits um, from doing that so yeah, that is my main area of um, weakness, if you like, is um, business processes and um, tech processes and so on. So I do have help with, with those things. Um, and, and I think that's really important um, for me. Yeah, and I mean, certainly I've interviewed a lot of business people on these Q&As and, and entrepreneurs and things. I'm from a corporate business background, so that's probably where I'm stronger in it than the other stuff, to be honest. Obviously, doing what I do, I can do. Um, but, you know, and it's always really interesting to hear who they've got to support them, where they get their information from, because no one knows everything. And, and you know, when you are in business on your own, you've got to do everything and let, until you start learning to outsource a lot of it to the experts. And and it's a bit like that with riding, isn't it? Like you, you're not going to know everything about your riding. You have a coach, you upskill, you go and learn. But sometimes you need to outsource some of that to someone who's going to help you with it and give you those shortcuts. And I suppose that's where we see ourselves, isn't it, really? Someone yeah. who can shortcut you in what would be a very long and difficult journey otherwise for you to feel more confident and get what you want out of it. And, you know, actually wire your brain in a way that's really quite useful, to be fair, rather than kind of getting some of that glitchy stuff in the way and things yeah. that are old and haven't been sorted and you didn't even realise were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I've always been a great believer in that. You know, if you've got an issue with your horse's health, ask the vet. If you don't know what to feed it, consult a nutritionist. If you've got a technical riding issue, look around for a coach who um, is empathetic and uh, experienced in teaching people at your level. Um, if you've got a problem with your horse's feet, consult the farrier. If you've got a problem with your thought processes, consult somebody like you or me. Um, and uh, yes, you'll have to pay for that uh, consultation, but ultimately 
you will probably save yourself money. Oh, absolutely. I think two people save themselves a lot of money and heartache, don't they? When, you know, they just keep changing lessons or they try a new tack or kit or, you know, uh, different things for their horse when actually the horse is fine. It's just them reacting and uh, or try a new saddles, bits, bridles, stirrups, whatever it is that they do. And actually, at the end of the day, it's their mindset that is the thing that will make all the difference. And I often say to people that, you know, this stuff is an investment and um it's going to cost you some money but then so with a saddle and is there any point in you buying uh, that saddle if you're still not going to feel happy and confident in it well you know why not put a bit of money towards something else and then if you still want the saddle that's fine <laughs> but yeah so it is about the whole picture isn't it we've got to look at everything haven't we? we've got to look at the mental side the physical side um and you know you're learning and everything together haven't we? yeah yeah cool. So thank you so, so much, Jane. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great. I've really enjoyed that. Thank you. And um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, it's Horse Rider Confidence Scotland, is that Horse right? Horse Riding with Confidence oh, Scotland on Facebook and um, Confident Riding Scotland on Instagram. Um, and yeah, I'd be Lovely. delighted to hear from anybody. Super. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. And it's so nice, like you say, to chat to someone else who's doing the same things, you Definitely. know, similar but different. Yeah um and kind of go oh, yeah 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 no, that's oh look we're all doing similar stuff that's nice isn't it it's all helping people which is great Absolutely. So, yeah thank yeah. you once again and um, we will share your details with people so they can be in touch if they want to thank you very much thanks and i hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as i did if you want to listen to more of them then please do follow us in apple in google and on podbean hack your mindset with jenny is the name of this podcast so please do subscribe follow us and we look forward to you listening into our next one bye everyone Who got this? You got this? You know you